Slowy today in the show, we have a, one of my best friends. Um, I met her at a freshman orientation, actually, or that tour that that Gomo. Not even tour. a tour. What? Yeah, whatever that, that was. But my point is, she was like the first person I ever met when I came to Milwaukee. Uh, she is a uh, news producer, Maggie Pulsing. How are you today? Well, I'm here. Just for me. Just for you. Oh my god, that's so sweet. <laughs> That's good. Uh, what'd you do today? You just got in? I just got in. We went to Goodwill. I bought his killer jacket for $7. Nice. Um, I picked up my dining room table from my old roommate's house, and now I'm here. Well, thank you for uh, booking me in, uh, in your stay. Um, well, that's awesome. Uh, I haven't seen you pretty much since you got married. Um, shout out, uh, shout out uh, Maggie's husband. He's in the room right now. Uh, he will remain unnamed. Um, Synonymous. Yeah, but uh, that was a really fun, fun time. Um, what made you pick Devil's Lake? Um, it's pretty, and I like to camp there as a kid, so why not? Okay. Something fun, different. Nobody else would do it. Yeah, uh, don't remember uh, that casino. <laughs> I literally... Okay, so story time. Yeah. So at my wedding, afterwards, we ended pretty early because it was outside, it was at night, there was light, so it was like 10 p.m., the reception was over, and then we like, were like, everybody go to the casino. We stayed near Ho-Chunk Casino in the Dells. Mm -hmm. So everybody went to the casino afterwards. I get there, like I like rode with my husband, and like my friend dropped us off, so we're like going to the casino, finding everyone. I see like all of like, Will Frank and the Goodland Gang, Jordan Kellogg, all of our friends are together. I'm like, yeah. where is Ben? I look over, he is slumped over in a chair at the bar at the casino, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he like can't function. Took a picture. And then he like proceeds to like half wake up, runs for the bathroom, destroys the bathroom vomiting anywhere, like passes out. I mean, it, I, it got everywhere except for the toilet. Everywhere except the toilet. Security, I'm like, oh my gosh, like me and I'm standing there with Jack and Garrett. And security's like beelining it for the bathroom because they see him run in there and we're like, oh my god, they're coming for him! Yeah. And I'm being fine. They're like, no, no, we'll take him back to the hotel. He's okay. What if I would have gotten like blackout detained? That would have been like the scariest thing ever. I mean, for you, but I thought it would be funny. Well, anything to entertain, right? <laughs> so, Maggie, what we talk about in Mr. Dice Guy, we talk about love and fear. And, um... I have neither of those. Oh, you're emotionless. I'm really heartless. You are a god. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so specifically we talk about um, those topics in the scope of, you know, sort of your profession and like what, how it plays into what you do. And I mean, you uh, work in news. Um, so like as a producer, like I know you said that you have like several different like duties around the station, um, like specifically like what would you say like everything is that like you know is under like in your job right now in my job right now so my main job is i produce the 10 o'clock show and what that basically entails is i write scripts i edit video i decide what order everything goes in i decide um you know what camera shots we use you know who reads what so i kind of just literally control the show and i work with the anchors if they have a suggestion or with our new other people if they have suggestions that are have, have that power mm -hmm. um and then other parts of my role is i report so i go out and i will like go shoot a story an entire like minute and a half story 
um, come back, put that together, plus then produce my show. So that's like an additional role I do occasionally. Mm -hmm. And then lately I've been doing social media reporting. So I'm going to go out to events, do like Facebook Live, Instagram stories, Facebook stories, just kind of like boost our social presence. Mm -hmm. um, just because in the climate that news is right now is if you're not on social first, they're never going to watch you. Like, you know, not as many people have cable, not many people are watching TV on air live so for us to win and to get people to come to our station to watch our newscast you know being showing that we're out in the event that we're on social media that we you know, yeah. share on social first and then you get the full story later when we have time you know to put it together and research and all that yeah so those are like my main roles and then you know other duties this assigned like who knows what <laughs> depending on the day make coffee and... not even we don't have coffee oh what the fuck we have a keurig so you can bring your own k-cups oh shit that's it's cost effective and it's better because then I get like good coffee that I like so but I'm not upset about it K-Cups produce shit coffee Okay, like it's, it's, <laughs> I, they, I like, honestly okay. like they they just like For I, what it is like <clears throat> I'm not a big at-home coffee person in general yeah. So like I can work with a K-Cup if that's my only option or like a reusable one that I can put my own grounds in I was doing it for a while, but then uh, that but then, like, my cake, my carrot was way too old and, like... It was gross. Yeah, and I didn't clean it. So now I go with the old-fashioned pot. But, mm -hmm. aside the point, um, so it sounds a lot like you kind of have to, um, you have a lot of leverage, sort of, like, at the station. Like, you kind of are your own boss sometimes. I don't know if I'd call myself that, but... Well, I, do have I mean, you still have someone, you have someone to report to. I do. I still have a lot, I have a lot of responsibility for... I do. But you have like a lot of creative control. Yes, I do have a lot of creative sure. control. That's better what I meant. Mm -hmm. um, what a like so, and you've been working there for like what like like five six months at this point. Mm -hmm. So, in that time, um, what would you say like has been like the most exciting story like for you personally? For me personally. The one that I've covered that the one that sticks out to me the most may not be like the most exciting, but it was definitely the most impactful. Um, if one, it was because it was the first story I ever did for them. Two, it's because it was just like the most heart wrenching story in a way. So I wasn't supposed to cover. I had no idea what was going on covering the story. Mm -hmm. A girl fell, hurt her back. She couldn't work. She had to go to the hospital, and like they had to go check her out because she fell on her back on the ice. So they're like, guess where you're going today? I was like, oh, good. I'm not, I like didn't look nice. Like I was just like, you know, I thought I was going to be in the studio all day. No one would see me on air. Um, but I didn't end up being on air, which was nice. I just shot the story and edited it. But I went to this girl's house, no idea knowing what the story was. All I knew is there was this girl who was having her own special graduation ceremony because she couldn't graduate in May. That's all I knew. I had no idea anything else. I get there and I start talking to them. I'm like, so like, explain, you know, your situation, everything. Come to find out this girl is stage four um, liver, like liver failure. So she's like going to die. Um, and they moved up her graduation because it was looking like she wouldn't make it to graduation in May. Whoa. So I didn't know idea. So I'm like seeing her talking to mom is like weeping. And like they had someone from like her hospice care who's like helping her on hospice. And she's 18 years old, Damn. like just turned 18. And was just like, I don't want to deal with a liver transplant. Like, if I die, I die. Like, I just want to be happy and, like, live my life. So her mom was just, like, distraught. And it's just like, I can't do anything. She's 18. Like, she she makes her own medical decisions now. Like, I legally can't do anything about it. 
Damn. So it was just very intense. Like the girl had a really, and then we did like a follow up story. Like she had her own prom, and like she's super into drag queens. So they had a bunch of queens come to the show, and like do um, a big show for her at the prom that they hosted. And then she had her own graduation ceremony, and a ton of people were there. Um, and it was crazy because the Spanish teacher that like set up the graduation and the prom was actually my friend's older sister And I didn't realize that that like I had that weird connection to this girl mm -hmm. um, So that's just always kind of stuck out as one that I like think about all the time because I thought the story ended up really good too Because you know she had this even though something so awful is happening She had such a positive outlook like she was like laughing the whole time and, like yes. everyone in the kitchen was just like having fun And it was the moments where you think about you know the inevitable and the sad part that you know her mom was crying and everything was going kind of you know tense but overall like everybody was just so happy and I thought it was just amazing that you could be that joyful and that excited about life even though your life is cut short 18. Like so how did that story sort of like stick with you like what what did it kind of like how did it sort of make you sort of look inwardly and sort of look at just kind of like what your job is how did that make it look like affected I think it made me very aware of the responsibility journalists have in telling people's stories, especially sensitive stories like that, because not everybody wants a camera stuck in their face. Not everybody wants their, you know, worst parts of their life being displayed for everyone to see. And as a journalist, I feel like it's my responsibility to take good care of those people and to make sure that this story is something that they like, something that they want to see. You know, it's not obviously editing it in a way that is favorable to them if it's not something that's favorable but you know doing justice to those stories and doing justice to those people who are vulnerable enough to share with you I think is something that um, has really stuck with me and that's such a sensitive story for people to cover in general to mm -hmm. make sure that it's done tastefully that um, you show you know somebody's life and how that can help people in the community so a lot of people like on social media were commenting you know like this poor girl like what can we do to help like what putting that out there really made people aware that something like that was happening in their community and they wanted to do something to help her mm -hmm. and she told me off camera that you know this was just I think the reason she was just didn't want to fight anymore is because she'd been bullied a lot when she was mm -hmm. younger and she kind of felt like you know she kind of had the reaction of like you know why me like I've been through so much in my life already and her mom kind of said that too you know like this girl has fought like girls who are being so awful to her and for this to happen to her and I think her outlook was just like now I get to be happy like I'm graduated high school you know I may be dying but at least I get to be happy and I think that responsibility has weighed on me a lot um, just to kind of show people that those things do happen and they're very, very real stories and people don't think see that unless journalists really portray them in a positive way that show the impact that they have. Yeah. So that's kind of why it's weighed on me. And I like the days that are hard, I remind myself of just like, you have a responsibility to your viewers, you have a responsibility to your community to show them things that are happening right around where they live, to inform them on things that are happening. And sometimes, especially in TV, people lose sight of that because um, they're more worried about what they look like on air and that they get air time. Yeah. Um, but for me, since I'm not on air all the time and I don't really want to be on air all the time ever, <laughs> that it, you know, it helps that I kind of have a better outlook, I would say. Yeah, I don't know. I sure. say that I have a great outlook, but that's kind of where my mind is at with journalism and responsibility with my job. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. So, like, um, so when you did that story, did you, like, go to get like did you, you visit the people did you get like um did you just conduct interviews like kind of thing and then just like wrote up the story and then did like the voiceovers and stuff or 
Mm -hmm. So my other role besides being a producer is an MMJ, so multimedia journalist. So I shoot my own stuff, I edit it, I write it, everything. Um, the interviews, I they were set up like they had. E someone had the teacher that my friend's sister had emailed the station and said, you know, they have this student. We're doing a special graduation for her. I'd love for you guys to like kind of highlight her story. So that's how we found out about it. So then our assignment editor called and was like, hey, we'd like to come this day. And they're like, oh, that's great. Like we'll have like our hospice care lady come and we can talk to her too. So that that part was really nice. I didn't really have to like go out and search hardcore because it was set up for me. Um, but just being able to tell that story in a way that was impactful and you know showed the tr reality of it I think was really special I think that's a very um, just a very pivotal part of journalism and it's what's it's sort of what's right and wrong with journalism at the same time is portrayal mm -hmm. the way a story is being depicted the way it's being told and you know what is being like um, emphasized or what's what's you know visible in the story and also what's being left out of it I think that, that leads to a lot of the um, sort of uh, this like tug of war that's happening and in, in a lot of um, like uh, between different like media sources and like news networks and stuff where bias comes into play or like when the term fake news <laughs> yeah when that that's like a daily of my life like being out somewhere and someone just yells like fake news and i'm like i don't work for a network i don't yeah. work for a political party i work for a non-biased local television station yeah. like that's it that's the thing is a lot of people don't understand the difference between like a network news organization and a like local news station yeah, the cable the, yeah, yeah like cable news versus network news is mm -hmm. vastly different like if right. you watch your average like abc you know evening news there's no bias, like they have no incentive to be biased because they're just delivering you the facts of the day. And if you don't agree with the facts, it's your own political agenda. Um, but what we know at that time is, is fact. And we wouldn't report on something that wasn't 100% proven. Mm -hmm. Especially my station, we had a case where there was a, um, unfortunately a police officer was killed. And it was just like shot in a hotel by a suspect who was on the run. Um, so everybody, like nobody knew if he had died yet because they hadn't released anything that he had died, but somebody had said something that he was dead down, like this stuff, I'll explain the story. It's the longest day of my life. Um, and it was, it was something in news that really opened my eyes to how hard journalists work, especially good journalists, how hard they work to do be good at their job and to be accurate and to not report on something too early yeah um because there was a lot of examples that day that i'm really happy i didn't work for those news organizations i worked for mine um so a police officer was shot they were trying to serve a warrant for um the u.s marshal special task force mm -hmm. there was a felon at this hotel in rockford he shot at police jumped out of a second story window shot at the police in the parking lot ended up killing the officer. He drove away, beelined it down south Illinois, ended up getting caught kind of mid-Illinois. He was in a standoff for hours with police, like crashed his car and wouldn't get out. Like police were having a standoff on the highway, highway shut down. While that standoff is going on, 
Officer Keltner, who was the one who got killed, was taken to the hospital and they're trying to resuscitate him, trying to, you know, everything they can. And in that time while he's in the hospital, he's not dead. Keep in mind, he's still alive for what we know. Someone down south in Illinois from the Illinois State Police had said that, you know, unfortunately he's passed away. So all the news organizations down there ran with it. And since we didn't have an organization, a sister station down south Illinois where it was happening, we didn't report anything. Cause we're like, we, who said that? Like, who said that was true? That did not come from the hospital, it didn't come from anyone from the police force here, it didn't come, like it just came from some officer, Southern Illinois, who was talking about the standoff. So everyone's reporting that he's dead, everyone's reporting that we're dead, we are trying to confirm if he's actually dead. So we are calling everyone that we can and next thing we know we get a text message from one of our sources and she's like, he's not dead. Like he's fighting for his life in the hospital and everybody just said he died. He is still alive. So we like tweeted out like we are not waiting on this, like we are waiting for confirmation, like there's family involved, there's community members involved, there's co-workers involved that like want him to be alive. Like right, yeah. and unfortunately he did end up passing away about an hour after that, you know, everyone said he had died. So they jumped the gun and it was awful. Like our I'm really proud of our organization that we waited. We waited until that official confirmation came in that we weren't going to jump the gun and run something just to get social media likes and a lot of news organizations will jump the gun on something like that which is sad and true but um you really have to find the stations with integrity that would you know hold back and do something like that like a lot i would say a lot of network news sometimes can jump the gun um but you know a lot of stations they'll hold back and they'll make sure that everything is factual and they'll make sure that you know a b and c are checked before they put anything out and that's part of the trust that people need to have in news is mm -hmm. that they would be willing to do that but sometimes it, it does go wrong yeah. sometimes people make mistakes and they mess things up like that because somebody that seemed like a reliable source said that but the reliable source was wrong yeah so there has to be that grace of, you know, we thought it was correct, but it ended up not being. So that being said, what, where in news reporting do you feel like for yourself, like, do you find most difficulty being objective? I would say anything that compromises your personal beliefs. So point in case right now that's going on with everything in Alabama and Missouri and Ohio, Georgia. these abortion bans in Georgia. Um, for some reporters, it's very, very difficult for them to separate their own personal beliefs from what is the policy, what is happening in front of them. Yeah. It is not my job to show you my bias. Everybody has a bias. It's just a matter of if you show it or not and you yeah. let that impact your work. Right. I really try to pride myself on being neutral. I do have thoughts and opinions, but do I post about them? No. Do I tweet about them? No. Like, do I share the facts? And do I share what is physically in this bill? You know, what local people have said about how it might impact them, what the opposition party says, what the party in favor for it says. That's how you report, is you show everything that you can possibly find about a subject and you leave yourself out of it. So the minute you interject into a story, you add your bias to a story, it's no longer, you know, an, an yeah. objective piece of news. Right. So the bias reporting is like more... Cable. Yeah, okay, yeah. sure. I, it's like when you think yeah. like Fox and Friends, like anything like that. Yeah. Um, Tucker Carlson, because they're like the most prominent people in cable right. news right now, Anderson Cooper. And they look for, like they look in their beats yeah. for things yeah. that and they suit their, their narratives. And those are opinion. And people need to realize that when they watch those shows that you're not watching a news show. You're watching an, opi you're watching an entertainment show with an opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so if you really want to learn, you know, how people, you know, if they identify as conservative, if they identify as moderate, those opinion shows really show, you know, what that person thinks or if they're speaking for an ideology, you know, that's 
where you can go to learn about that, but I wouldn't go there for your news. No, the best no. news you can get is from your local newspaper and your local TV station because right. they're unbiased journalists who get paid really bad money yeah. and they do it because they love it and they want to support their communities. I do my uh, my uh, reporting on the music scene here and I don't get paid for that shit. <laughs> yeah, like, no. I, I, it's I, hard to get paid. I haven't gotten paid a dime for no. like, you know, the going out and writing on shows, but I also don't really need to because I just get a lot of personal satisfaction from it. The goal is to eventually get paid. Mm -hmm. But that being said, like it's it's kind of ironic though that like journalists don't get compensated that well for it seems that a lot more of like the ones that are like commentators or the ones that push those like opinion pieces and follow those ideologies like sure like they receive a lot more controversy sure they receive like much more of like a devoted like um like a devoted like fan base sort of but it also it seems like they become more financially successful Oh, isn't that they're like, contracted for millions? Yeah, it's because of the platform they're on. Right, you, it's a premium channel. To get cable news, you have to pay extra for but that. But the people that actually and tell like hard news, like, are the ones that like, get paid the least. Yeah, that's that's just like such an irony. It's just the thing of like you know, journalists aren't public servants. You know, we're not police officers. We're not firefighters. We're not out there helping physically helping people in the communities. We're just telling people about it. So a lot of times, you know, we're you know people really need us to do our jobs in some communities where like, you know, Flint, like stories aren't being told that the national media isn't doing it justice. Local journalists are doing great work there and really highlighting what's actually going on. Um, But people nationally don't see that because nationally you're only gonna get national news or cable news. So people in your your local communities really need to almost step it up or watch more or you know, go online and really read their local stuff to keep it supported and keep it going. Yeah, because really like so much media is, and I'm not even talking about like, you know, those, the local news stations. I'm talking about like just media, the in media general. in general. It's highly like volatile. It's mm-hmm. very emotional. And a lot of it has to do with money. Like yeah, it's it very, all has to do with what makes money, exactly. what gets clicks. It's like, very emotionally charged as well because if there's one thing that um, money and capitalism feed into, a lot of it is, like, um, a lot of that feeds into the emotions that we receive from the media, and that causes us to make decisions about the way we live our life or the way we think or, you know, what things we say, um, just things that... um, like a, a lot of it is just you know it's designed to make us feel a certain way or to to buy into things and um and i have to uh i have to give a shout out to uh, my senior seminar teacher eric loman because he made i me, love eric yeah, he's so good because he made me well like his class his like, class really did make you think politically politically, the media. politically and Correctly, you know, because it really, this course, if people don't know, obviously, if you didn't go to UWM or Jams in Political Economy 502 <laughs> yeah, or whatever, yeah. it's very specific the for specific people. fucking class, whatever yes, it was. It yeah. um, he made you think critically about how money influences the media, how conglomerates influence the media, how political bias influences the media. Um, and I think that's really important because you can see when there, when the fairness doctrine was appealed, when monetization of news happened in the early 90s, late 80s, that you can see that all of a sudden, like, 
unbiased, you know, neutral news, all of a sudden, you know, Fox appears in the 90s and CNN is getting crazy views and it's all because this fear-mongering, opinionated yeah. stuff is right. what makes money. It's what, you know, sells. It's um, O.J. Simpson is a great yeah. example of how much that trial was politicized and how much it was overhyped and 24-hour news coverage of a trial, like, that doesn't happen. Yeah, and it's also ugly because even in the concepts of like things like Orientalism, the mm -hmm. way that the Western world like perceives mm -hmm. like the Middle East or just in general other cultures or other parts of the world that you know have been developed or operated differently than ours, we fear it, and that's it's new is sometimes that, scary because yeah. of the way media portrays it, and, and that the funds the wars that that like you know we've had like that was a big part in uh, the war of I the, the Iraq war was a lot of the way like media portrayed the issue and a lot of that is um, PR as well a really really good PR person knows a journalist like a PR person knows how to write a story that would run on air as is and journalists like to be admit sometimes we're tired sometimes yeah. we're trying to fill shows and if a PR person delivers us this like perfect story that's like already well written and we don't really have to do much but change it around for what we need you know a lot of times people will bite that and especially national media you know you're working with huge public you know pub, not publishers but um publicists and everything like that that for them it's attractive to work with these people and you know sometimes they get kickbacks from it or favors here and there or a source from here and it gets really really um political very fast to get those stories and get those narratives out and sometimes people sacrifice their integrity for it yeah and it's and it's it's a lot to be undone like it's not like a simple matter of undoing it because it's it's systematic at yeah. this point and it runs deep like decades deep mm. um of all of that right and this is also where things like uh like definitely technology plays in too because the the rise of the information age led to information is being passed around super super fucking fast you can yeah. like at this point like i can't tell you how many times yeah. like we hear something come over on twitter we hear something come instantly. out instantly and we are typing furiously to be the first to get it online yeah. to share it everywhere that we can and right. social like the thing is is if you're not on social media you're irrelevant mm -hmm. if you're not and the other thing too with being a broadcast is that every single viewer that you have if they're online they already know what your top story is. They already know all the stories that are going to be in your show. So what can you do differently on air that's not online? What can you add to your on-air story that's not online? So that's the thing is that's the trouble with the broadcasts. Tease. Yeah, like the tease. Yeah. But te that's the thing is if people already know your story, the tease can only do so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely true. Because like, and that's like, it, it's all very interconnected. Um, just with the way social media influences the way people think and how political influencers take on social media and that gets consumed by you know the average american citizen yeah people don't realize that like there's like instagram like influencers that are like oh, yeah. models i even have experienced this in my own sort of music journalism where um like when i like, uh, when I, when I look into, like, new artists to listen to, or, like, when I'm looking into, um, you know, albums to check out, or when I'm looking into just, you know, the, the way that, like, artists are reported on and how they're portrayed by different, like, music publications. It's, like, I will, like, when I see, like, you know, 
it's like when you see like th- how the album is rated, like how how many stars it got or like what it got out of ten, like my mind will like sort of instantly like um, sort of like draw like a conclusion about it based on how it's being portrayed by those publications and and it's not even just that like films it's, it's too. a subconscious thing yeah too, film- once you already know like what your expectation is you know once you see something that has been rated that's your expectation yeah. is that it's going to be a three-star thing and, like, and that it's going to be a two-star thing so if you go into thinking that it's going to be mm, subpar yeah. your mind is not open to the experience fully right. or you know sometimes like i go into things being like well i don't know if it's gonna be good and i'm blown away even though it got like two stars or something right. and i'm like why did this get two stars like that's what i think in my mind i'm like i love this this is amazing yeah. but critics will be critics like fucking like, rotten tomatoes decide decide on whether or not jack and jill is an awful movie oh adam sandler is one of his finest pieces of work shout out to lauren trotter for being on the sandman train shout out lauren you're great <laughs> but jack and jill like jack and jill okay is bomb. I I, ha- I haven't even seen it, but also I haven't had any interest Adam in any Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler plays both him and his sister. It's amazing. I, I know, and that's exactly why I'm like, this can't be good. It's Adam mm-hmm. Sandler being both main roles. It's true, true. Look at how good Eddie Murphy and Norbit was. Norbit. More to the point, like like those the way that things are portrayed lead us to sort of draw those conclusions about something before we fully have experienced something or before we fully even know all the facts or know just the ins and outs of something, whether it be a news story, whether it be a politician and, like, what their beliefs are or, like, what their history was or celebrities that may or not be problematic or this movie you want to watch or not watch or, you know music or fashion like all of it media just operates entirely based on those those like mantras that you know you you sort of like um that you sort of already have like based on like you know your expectations you know it's like it's it's a a box within the status quo society hasn't really changed that much a long time just the social context in which we do things has changed yeah. So, you know, people are still really closed in. People are still very judgmental, but just the way that we portray that and the way we show that is just different now. But the status quo is the same. It always will be. Yeah. So, how do you feel like that will change in, like, the next century? Like, with the, with the, um, I mean, honestly, like, you know, literally, like, you know, at any point in time, like, you know, any day, like, literally tomorrow, like, there could be some technological revolution or something like that. And the way we the way we consume and share media might forever change. But where do you feel like, you know, just kind of like generally speaking, you feel like media is going and, you know, what is going to change about it in the next Yeah, for sure. I think no matter what, like people are people and I think our habits are always going to kind of be the same, that we want something new, we want the fresh new thing, we overshare too much and we get really upset and emotional about our opinions because they are our beliefs and people are very attached to their beliefs um understandably mm-hmm. but i think going forward that the means of how we consume our media the way, way we get news the way we watch movies it's going to get really interactive you know you have vr um what is it yeah Virtual reality. Yeah, yeah. I was right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I think that's what it is. The goggles. Um, the goggles. Like, yeah. the goggles are going to get really big. You know, that might be changing to some other type of interactive 
engaging media, but you know, live is going to be a big thing. Facebook live is huge. Instagram has stories. It's all about the now and the current. It used to be about like, you know, you just posted a photo maybe from two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And then once they introduce live, it's like, what are you doing right now? Where are you today? Are you in Bali? Yeah. Are you in France? Are if you're, you're not posting exotic? stories, then yeah, if you're not like posting you're, stories, you fell off the yeah. face of the earth. And people, it's, that's the thing is, it's all about current now, now, like everything needs to be happening as soon as it happens. And you need to see it as soon as it's happening. Otherwise like Pixar didn't happen. That yeah, isn't even right. a thing anymore. <laughs> it's like live stream where it didn't happen. Yeah, damn so dude. like people want to see it like live and in person. And now and video is huge, like online video who would have thought that YouTube would be a billion dollar company 10 years ago when you would go watch like Numa Numa Man and like Chocolate yeah, Rain right. like yeah. <laughs> like old old YouTube oh, yeah, like that right. was YouTube was just like weird videos that people made at home that were like in college in 2007 doing yeah. multimedia fun stuff so like it's just amazing how there's TV shows on YouTube now that the accessibility like YouTubers are huge they're creating 30 long 30 minute long shows like once a week like, like me yeah like Except no one watches it on, like, I get, like, maybe, like, five views on a video if I'm lucky on YouTube. But that's why mostly exactly. Facebook is where I get my views. But. Exactly. And that's a platform. You know, Facebook is, like, the world's largest advertising company. So yeah. anything that is on there, you know, there's going to be ads and people are going to do that. And that's another thing part of media is that no matter what media goes forward, like, advertising is still going to be a part of it. That, you know, companies influencing social media and, you know, the way we share media is always going to happen. You know, with Disney and their whole streaming, taking over Hulu and all those conglomerate things that are happening and converging and yeah. it's kind of scary but it's yeah. also kind of exhilarating that you can see these new technologies being formed and people are thinking about new ways that you know they can merge things and make them better yeah. but also consolidate money and power so right, yeah and, <laughs> and cuts. it will it will take away jobs but it will create new ones yeah um so. and that's a key thing to remember is that like you know i've accepted that my job has a, a timeline like you yeah. know journalists the way we do things now is not going to be how we do things in 10 years. It's not going to be how we do things in five years. Yeah, sure. So that's the thing is you really need to be thinking about what's next and you need to really keep building your skills. Otherwise, you know, good journalists are going to be, you know, going away, getting office jobs, doing something mm -hmm. that they can, you know, live off of. Yeah. Um, so that's something to be very cautious of too when you're thinking about your media consumption and your news consumption, you know, mm -hmm. as things progress. You need to keep finding those avenues. Your journalists need to keep finding those ways to get the truth down, to get that unbiased opinion and facts out. Do you know anyone who still reads the paper? I do. Do you? That's because I work in news. Yeah. Like, but I, no, no one my age reads paper. The only oh, reason I have yeah. it is because my parents have a subscription to the local paper, and we read it online. At, like we read all the news outlets at work, well, from locally and nationally. So that's the only reason. Well, I think that so. Something that seems to have a lot of affinity these days is nostalgia and just the craving of, of like those vintage like aesthetics or, or objects. How like the cool thing Right, now. well, and like, records have been for a while too. And yeah. like they weren't popular for like a long ass time. Long decade. In the, yeah, but in the last like decade, like now vinyl is like hugely popular again. Mm -hmm. I know like I... You collect lots and I do, but but it's and it's sort of I don't really know what it is about. It's having a physical just, piece of thing. I think is what it is. Yeah. Like you can stream all day. Like I love. Like I listen to my Spotify all day, every day. I listen to Beyonce on the way here. Some lemonade because it's on Spotify now. It, it is after three years. Um, I'm not bitter. 
but like just things like that like you know you kind of take it for granted because you pay a monthly premium you kind of you know see your things all the time but when you have a physical item that you went out and bought it feels more special and it's more of like a collector's piece and i think that's why things like that you know limited merch lines are really popular right now and things like that because you have a physical thing that not everybody has and it's cool and you can show it off and it's like a piece in your yeah. home. Well, maybe newspapers will uh, sort of reappear in the same way. They'll become vintage one day and like people they start might. doing them to, because it's like I don't know if they'll be on the same mass past. scale yeah. because of like environmental concerns because oh, that's right, just, yeah. but newsprint, you know, is recyclable, recyclable. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that there will still be people that, you know, that that want to crave that nostalgia. Yeah, and that that use and and live with like you know like old fashioned things like people that will still you know watch. Bring back car phones while we're at. Well, it. yeah, or like watch like one of those big ass like boxy TVs that like we all. Oh had my gosh, when we were I saw the little... most hipster thing. Oh my god, love this it's like Why? going back to like old school thing. Like I see so many people like so many River West hipsters repurposing like old TVs with like the fuzzy black and white. Yeah. They have it plugged in fuzzy black and white with like a menu written on it so it doesn't work but it's just like an interactive fun wow. like i'm just like what like so many things like yeah. that where they just like use an old junky tv that they found right. that doesn't work but it still has the static fuzz and they're like well, let's write a menu on it yeah that, yeah and sh it's like like stuff like that shit like that like... will become yeah shit like that will become like virtually like it's kind of purposeless but it's done be simply because it's of how simply it makes you of feel. Nostalgia. Yeah. You see it, you're like, oh, that's so fun. New way to use. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's just very interesting what people are gonna do with like old laptops. Who knows? Yeah, right. Um, what intimidates you about like going out and you know doing stories and just like what like I guess where does the fear like uh, the fear get, aspect? Yeah. Where does it where does it play into as being a um, journalist? I'm pretty fearless. If you aren't fearless, it's a really hard job because you have to put yourself out there constantly. And like, yeah. I'm a very social person, obviously I'm friends uh, with you. Um, yeah. and I just like randomly will start talking to people. So if you're like very timid, it can be very scary just to go up to strangers and be like, hi, would you like to be interviewed? And like make them feel yeah. comfortable enough that they want to be on camera. Cause I, that's part of my job is finding strangers on the street and making them feel comfortable enough that they want to talk to me yeah. and want to talk to me on camera. And I like do a lot of like just talking to them, getting to know them. And then I say like, hey, do you mind if we, you know, do the interview and we start recording them? Usually by then they're like, yeah, sure, fine. Like, you know, I feel comfortable talking to you. Um, but the thing for me that's the most scary is not the talking to people aspect because I love doing that. Um, it's more the fear of like failure. That's more of the scary part for me is that I don't want to mess up somebody's story. I don't right. want to get something wrong. It's and always have... like how it, you end up executing it. Yeah, it's the yeah. execution. It's the fear of failing and not getting something done on time, which I've never not, not gone what I've never not turned. I've never turned anything in late. I always get my stuff done early and I get everything done. Um, but it's that fear of, you know, letting down my viewers, letting down the community, letting down my coworkers. Because we're a team. Like if one person is lagging everybody picks up the slack for that one person oh, yeah. and it's hard because i don't i don't want to be that person i want to be the person that fixes the issue i don't want to be the person that causes it yeah i i think especially as a field reporter or a field journalist mm -hmm. like you so you question whether or not you even have a comfort zone anymore I like really I, don't. I don't feel like i even really have much of a comfort zone anywhere because like, like i'm constantly <laughs> approaching complete strangers and i'm like Oh hey, I'm with this music blog. Let me. Can I interview you? Like, 
And I mean, it's cool because like a lot of, especially when you're like you know reporting on things like the arts or stuff like that. People stuff are so that, open. Yeah, like, stuff that yes, needs exposure. Like, please talk yeah. to me. But like when it's behind closed doors at a city council meeting and it's closed session, <laughs> and you need to comment on something that was in public session that's like they're discussing now in closed session because it has litigation or legal aspects to it. You just gotta hope for the best. No, you gotta hope that somebody is willing to talk that you can, you know, say the right thing or tell them, you know, like this is so, like, people need to know what is happening. People need to, this is information that taxpayers need to know because that's where their money's going towards. Going, yeah. That if they don't know what's going on, they don't know, you know, how to vote, what to vote mm-hmm. for on a referendum if they don't see the impacts and things like that. Um, that's, that's, it's not fearful, but it's difficult to yeah. feel those things when you're in a more, yeah. Hot, hot button pressure situation. Yeah, yeah. Like the intimidating part, like a lot of it comes with yeah, like how you end up actually constructing and telling the story. Mm-hmm. And um, and there's some stories you really don't want to mess up. Whether it's yeah. like with a really big, you know, community partner that has a lot of influence in the state. Like here, like you know, say. Harley Davidson was found that they were like dumping chemicals in the water that didn't happen. I'm just hypothetical. <laughs> Did not happen. Do not take that Do out not. of context. Like hypothetical. Bastards. Yeah. Like Harley Davidson's a huge company here. You know, yeah. if something like that, something bad were to happen or if they were doing something, you would have to be very, very careful that you got it exactly right. Otherwise, you could get sued for defamation and things like that as a news organization. You know, there is definitely reasonable, you know, this was the fact now and then we learned that that was inaccurate and you correct yourself and you usually you're fine doing yeah. that. Um, but you really, you really have to be on your game and make sure everything is correct. And if it's not airtight, sealed, ready to go, showing all sides of the story, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And that's where headlines can be very problematic mm-hmm. because they can... Especially headline culture where people just read a headline and go on and they're like, I'm so offended. I'm like, well, did you read it? And like, I'm guilty of that. Most people are. Like a lot of people, that's kind of the point of headlines is to incite an emotional It is. And that's why we want you to click and we want you to read. So we try to like grab you. It's like headlines are a tease, you know, it's like pulling you in to read the story. It's pulling you in to click on our website and give us money. Because your clicks pay for advertising. Right. Yeah. Like clickbait type shit. I don't know, I like, I don't really like, there's, there's no specific news source, I feel like, you know, I'm, I don't want to be like, I feel like it's kind of an issue, it can be bad to be like, you know, to have tribalism when it comes to like a news network, like, you know, just following everything they say, believing everything. You're never, you're never going to learn if you only at one network. Right, you got to like get different you know, it's great to follow, like, a lot of different news networks and, like, see... It's good to see, especially with how the networks are now, with everything being so politicized, you know, it it's good for people to read opposing views. It's good for people oh, yeah. to read neutral opinions. It's good for people to read opinion pieces on right. something. Um, and I think if you don't do that, you're never going to truly know what other people think. You're never going to see the other person. You won't side. know what you're fighting against. And you won't know. And the thing, though, is... There's two opinions, one here, one here, but everybody kind of falls somewhere in between. And if you're never going to know what the harshest or what the harshest on this side is or, you know, what moderate potters tend to think, you're never going to be able to develop your own ideas. You're just going to listen to what somebody else is saying and saying to you and you think everybody thinks that, so you should think that. Um, So you really have to do a lot of self-discovery and figure out those things and find a good medium between both sides to see where your beliefs are.
What keeps you up at night, Maggie? What keeps me up at night? Is that serious? It can be serious. It can be <laughs> whatever the fuck comes to mind. Um, right now, buying a house that keeps me up at night. Oh, yeah. Right, because uh, you're, you're a wife. <laughs> my wife. You're my wife. My wife. <laughs> yeah. Well, shit. No, I, I feel that, though. My, uh, my sister's in the same boat, too. Mm. Yeah. What puts you to sleep? Um, my favorite murder, the podcast. I fall asleep to that. And if I don't fall asleep to that, I fall asleep to, um, what's his name from Little People Big World? <laughs> Jeremy! Jeremy from Little People Big World oh. and his wife, Audrey, have a podcast. I listen to that a lot. Very nice. Well, mm -hmm. podcasts are, uh, they are good stimulation to it's just ease like, your mind too. If I watch YouTube, trying to fall asleep or like a movie, like it's too many things happening. Like my, I'm watching, I'm listening, like all my senses are stimulated. Whereas like a podcast, I can just like lay there, listen, and just slowly fall asleep. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Teamwork. Um, yeah, I missed you a lot. Um, well, uh, yeah, don't read headlines, read news. Read news. Read local unbiased news. Read yeah. your local newspaper. Support it. Go buy the paper. Buy a subscription. Go watch the local news. If you don't have cable, watch it online. Yeah, like they watch have like apps. Like yeah. we have apps. You can watch a live stream on our website. You can watch our Facebook and stuff. That's really really nice. Um, what she's all right. Well, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Three, four.